All right, it is 9 a.m., so we are going to go ahead and get started. I know a few people are probably going to shuffle in as we get started. Um, thank you all for coming out to the Mobilize class today. My name's Justin, for those of you um, that I don't know. Um, thanks so much for coming. Uh, for those of you that have not joined us yet, I'm not sure if you all have been here every week. We are working through a series of questions from a book called Confronting Christianity. I would highly recommend... Um, buying this book. Uh, you can probably get it for about $15 on Amazon. I have some really good questions and some really good answers to those questions because we want to, um, in this class, uh, ask difficult questions um, that we might be asked by some of our coworkers, maybe family members, friends. Um, ask ourselves those questions and dig into those questions so that we can be uh, sure in our own faith um, as well as engage in good conversations with those who may not know Jesus yet. So I'm going to get started with a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into our lesson for today. God, we thank you so much for bringing us here together. We thank you for the opportunity we have to, to learn um, and worship you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help me to speak clearly. I pray that you would help us to engage in good dialogue throughout this lesson. I pray, Lord, for the preaching later today, that you would, um, that you would let your word be known um, clearly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't worry, I'm already recording it. Um, all right, so the last few weeks, uh, we've hit a, a variety of questions. Week one, we asked, um, how can we say there's only one true faith? Last week, we talked about women in the church. Doesn't Christianity denigrate women? This week, we're going to talk about science and faith. Um, the question in the book is, hasn't science disproved Christianity? So that's the main question we're going to hone in on today. Hasn't science disproved Christianity. And I want to start off by asking you all, why might someone think this? Why might someone come to you in conversation and say, you know, I've tried to, I've kicked the tires on faith a little bit, but there's science. And I think science has done away with faith. Why might people say that? Any, any thoughts, any ideas to why that might be? Yes. 't so, so the, the, the value of science, especially when it comes to certain teachings under the, the kind of the name of science, um, is all throughout education, through our culture. Um, any other reasons why we might hear this? Yes, Elizabeth.'s so things like miracles uh, so science is dedicated to uh, things that are observable uh, we see things happening um, we're gonna ask we're gonna come up with a hypothesis we're gonna ask questions we're going to observe and then we're going to make um, can draw conclusions from that so science is about the observable and we we as people of faith believe that Christ has risen from the dead now that's something throughout history that people didn't observe right that's outside of 
the normal laws of nature. Um, so when you take something that's focused on hard data, hard evidence, and you introduce miracles, things that are outside of the normal laws of nature, um, there's a there there could be a, 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 a what's the what's the word a contradiction there. Um, so so yeah, so, some good things. Now I wanna um, I wanna go into today's roadmap, but before I do, um, I wanna make thing one thing I wanna make one thing very clear, and that is there are we have forty minutes. There are lots of questions when it comes to science and faith. There's lots of different theories about um, how old the Earth is, about how things came to be the way they are right now. We're not going to dig into every single theory. We're not going to answer every single question about how science and faith intersect, all right? So there, there might be um, still a few questions out there at the end of this, and I would love to chat with you all um, at different points in time, but we're not going to answer every single question. This is going to be a little bit more of a high-level overview just because we only have 40 minutes, and I know from last time I still had about seven slides left, so I'm going to try not to do that this time. All right, so... Uh, today's roadmap, uh, first we're going to talk about Galileo and heliocentrism because um, you ha if you're going to have an exciting presentation, you have to have heliocentrism in it, right? So, um, that's not as boring as it sounds. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Christians and science. So it's really helpful. I think there's a, there's a, a perception out there that the, the, the realm of science is dominated by uh, those in the that hold to a secular worldview, that don't subscribe to any kind of faith or Christianity, that's not true. And we're going to talk about uh, some of the history of Christians in science, um, and, and we'll see how uh, Christians have really shaped a lot of how science has worked. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this concept of, of a god of the gaps. Um, so this is something that if you read, um, uh, uh, Nietzsche is one person who talks about this, how um, oh, in history, there were lots of things we didn't know. There were lots of gaps in our knowledge. And that's where people would often say, well, that's where God is. That's where God is. But if science starts to fill some of those gaps, it starts to push God out of the equation. And we're going to talk about that, if that's actually happening, um, and, and what the Bible has to say about that. So um, that's today's roadmap. Uh, we've got 40 minutes. So here we go. All right. Um, so this picture, it's obviously a picture of the Earth, right? Um, and if you can see, it, this, this isn't the best illustration, but it's showing like the sun moving a little bit, right? Now, way back in the day, there was this idea that the sun revolved around the Earth, right? Okay, so we all know now that the Earth is revolving around the sun. But for hundreds and hundreds of years, people were teaching that the sun revolved around the Earth. It was called geocentrism. The earth was in the middle and the sun was revolving around it. And some Christians, uh, especially uh, you see the Catholic Church at that time, would try to um, uh, find their foundation for this belief in the scriptures. So somebody might quote Ecclesiastes 1.5. It says, the sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. So somebody would read this verse and say, that means the sun must be moving and the earth itself is stationary. Well, of course, as um, the, the, the normal observer, when you look at the sun, it does look like it's moving, right? The earth, the, the earth we see, I'm not moving anywhere. I don't feel like I'm going around the sun. And the sun is coming up, it's coming down. So the sun is clearly revolving around the earth. And a lot of people held to this view for a long time until suddenly 
people start using their telescopes, looking at the sky, calculating things that I don't know how they do. Um, and a guy, Copernicus, comes along and says, no, 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 no. The Earth actually revolves around the sun. Uh, how many of you know, this guy isn't Copernicus. Anyone know who this guy is? I already said his name on the first slide. It's Galileo. So Galileo comes along, and he's teaching that the Earth is revolving around the sun. Um, and the Catholic Church begins to tell him, Galileo, dude, you gotta, you got to shut your mouth about this. We do not want to hear you teaching that crazy stuff about the Earth revolving around the sun. And there's even, uh, as we look at historical records, they even start to press in on him a little bit um, and kind of hold his feet to the fire. Um, there's even talk about him being tortured in the, uh, at, at one point in time because he wouldn't recant this belief that the earth revolves around the sun. Um, so this gives Christianity a really bad rap, right? If we're saying that uh, there's a clear fact out there, clearly the earth revolves around the sun, but we are holding so tightly to this historic belief in the church that the, the, the sun revolves around the earth, clearly Christianity is suppressing the truth. That's a point that you might hear sometimes. Christianity wants to suppress the truth because they want to continue to teach the doctrine that they've been teaching, kind of brainwashing people as time goes on. So that's a, a really uh, popular use case for how Christianity pushes down science, suppresses the truth. So we asked the question, um, does this disprove Christianity? Well, here's one really important point. Galileo was a Christian. So although Galileo was teaching something that was contrary to the Catholic Church at that time, Galileo himself was a Christian. So we see that they don't these things don't necessarily have to be at odds, right? Galileo himself was a believer in God and was studying science to see um, to, to understand the world that God had created. Also, geocentrism was Aristotle's model. So this, this wasn't um, just an idea that Christians came up with originally. This was taught for centuries and centuries, and eventually the church kind of took it as its, as its teaching about the matter. But this wasn't even a teaching that was grounded in Christianity itself. It was something that Aristotle, who was not a Christian, um, had originally put forth. And Christians have been searching for truth in science for centuries. Um, I came across this really helpful quote from St. Augustine. There's a, a few quotes from him. He says, It is a disgraceful and dangerous thing for a non-Christian to hear a Christian, presumably giving the meaning of Holy Scripture, talking nonsense on these topics. So what he's getting at here is the Scriptures are meant for something. Okay, the scriptures tell us about God, who he is. Uh, the scriptures tell us about the meaning of life, why we're here, uh, where we're going, what is right, what is wrong. The scriptures are not um, uh, primarily focused on telling us facts about the universe. While they may do that at some times, but the script, if we read that verse, Ecclesiastes 1.5, and it talks about the sun rising, moving, and all of those things, and we say, ah, God's teaching us that the sun revolves around the earth. That's a poor interpretation and a poor use of scripture. So what Augustine is saying here is that when we are uh, giving meaning to the scriptures, a meaning that it was never intending to have, um, it's nonsense and it's a dangerous thing to do to those who don't believe the scriptures. And this is something that uh, applies pretty well to our own life, right? If we're trying to, to use the scriptures 
to prove a point that they don't prove um, in front of those who don't know Christ, who aren't Christians, we're doing more harm to what the Bible teaches than good. Does that make sense? Is it warm in here? Okay. It wasn't warm in here a while ago. Melvin, do you remember how you turned it up? John did something after I did, so I don't know. <laughs> I just turned the heat on, and then I don't know. Did somebody want to grab John? <laughs> because I'm warm. Um, yeah, it got warm really fast. Um, all right. Uh, another quote from St. Augustine. He's a, he says, If unbelievers find a Christian mistaken in a field which they themselves know well and hear him maintaining his foolish opinions about, our books, how are they going to believe those books in matters concerning the resurrection of the dead, the hope of eternal life, and the kingdom of heaven? So if we're speaking foolishly and trying to use the Bible to prove a point that it was never meaning to prove, when we then begin start talking about matters of the resurrection, eternal life, the kingdom of heaven, we've already used the scriptures irresponsibly, so why should anyone else believe us when we talk about things the Bible actually teaches? Does that make sense? Any questions about that? So the main point there um, is there's a little bit of a historic grounding uh, for people to say that science disproves Christianity, and we can see just by looking at some of the facts in that story um, that it doesn't line up. Galileo himself was a Christian, um, and, and he, he was understanding the scriptures rightly and understanding science rightly. Um, somewhere else, Galileo is quoted saying, um, the Bible is a book that tells us um, how to get to heaven, not how the heavens go. He's saying the book is about life and destiny, not a science book about how everything in the world works together. Um, it's, not, it's not giving us facts about everything. Oh, okay. All right, well, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Um, all right, so that wraps up that, that part of it. Now, we interrupt, interrupt this mobilized lesson for another round of your favorite game show. And what is your favorite game show? Name that theologically inclined scientist. <laughs> Now, you might think it's boring, but my wife loves this game. Uh, um, yeah. 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 Don't, yep. No, she doesn't. I just made this game up um, yesterday. Um, all right. Who knows who this guy is? Anyone? Yeah, I was going to say, this picture might tell us who it is. Isaac Newton. Now, did you know that Isaac Newton wrote more about theology than physics. So Newton is credited with doing a lot of study on uh, one of the, maybe the biggest force of all time, the force called gravity, um, second only to the force in Star Wars. Um, so Isaac Newton wrote more about theology than physics. Um, and Newton was someone, he didn't hold fully, uh, he didn't hold to the full divinity of Christ, but he held strong beliefs in God. So Newton isn't someone would, we'd say, yeah, he was a Christ follower. He had some things wrong there. However, he was a believer in God. And Newton, um, if you look at scientists that have been instrumental um, after him, so guys like Einstein, they were people uh, that were looking back to Newton as inspiration for their studies. So Newton himself, 
um, although not a Christian like you and I would call would say a Christian is, had a strong belief in God um, and wrote more about God than he did about science. Now, who knows who the guy on the right is? Einstein, yeah. I tried to get my hair like him today, but I couldn't. Um, anyone know who the guy on the left is with the Harry Potter glasses? Probably not. Okay, this guy's name is Georges Lemaitre. Um, now, he's an interesting guy. He is... Uh, a Belgian Catholic priest, um, but he did a lot of work in the realm of science. So he's a priest. He believes in God. He's doing um, the God, God's work in the Catholic Church. Now, obviously, we have some differences with the Catholic Church. Um, but George Lemaitre is the father of the Big Bang Theory. So we have a priest, a Catholic priest, who's the one who came up with the Big Bang Theory. Now, um, everyone familiar with what the Big Bang Theory teaches? Right, so the, the idea is that before anything was, there was this um, this like super dense form of, of life energy, and it explodes. And from that, life is coming at a million miles per hour, and it was the beginning of the universe as we know it. Now, what's really interesting about this is that atheists were not fans of the Big Bang Theory when it originally uh, was proposed. Um, Stephen Hawking says this. He says, many people do not like the idea that time has a beginning, probably because it smacks of divine intervention. There were therefore a number of attempts to avoid the conclusion that there had been a Big Bang. So when this uh, theory was first proposed, the people who didn't like it were those who now hold to it now. Those who did not believe in God did not like the idea of a Big Bang Theory. Can anyone think of why they, why an atheist might not like the idea of a Big Bang Theory at that time? Elizabeth? Yeah, yeah it's, it's saying that there was nothing and then there was something, right? So why didn't, why didn't atheists like the Big Bang Theory? The common view at the time uh, was called the steady state model. So the steady state model taught that the universe had always, always existed. That there was never a beginning to it, but it had been holding this steady state for eternity. Um, there, was no, there was no actual beginning to it. It was just existing there. But when the Big Bang Theory comes along, it's saying that there was, um, there was nothing um, and then something. And they're saying that this is a strong argument for a creator. Um, the, the, the teaching there is uh, when you, the Big Bang, no matter how you, how you view it as, you know, from the scientific perspective, it's saying um, we know God created out of nothing, right? Uh, so they didn't like it because the Big Bang came from nothing. So what does this say um, about the Big Bang Theory, okay? So this is something where it gets more into our day. What, do, what are our thoughts about the Big Bang Theory? Um, are we allowed to believe it? Uh, how, should we, how should we talk about the Big Bang Theory when it comes up? First question, are we, are we allowed to believe it? Why or why not? You mean like our Christian, current yeah. day Christian culture? Yeah. I feel like there's like a soft no. It comes a like soft a soft no? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, because it's a scientific thing, and I feel like a lot of current age believes that there's a difference between science and Christianity, which mm -hmm. isn't true. Yeah. That's why it's like a soft no, but kind of a soft yes too. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Ray? Yeah, I 
mean, I've, I've known Christians who believe that that's possible. Mm-hmm. And then there are those who definitely do not yeah. Yeah, there's people on both sides of the of the fence. Yes, Heidi. I think it really depends on how far you want to take it. On mm-hmm. its surface, the Big Bang theory, without all of the other ramifications associated with it, is basically God spoke and the universe moved into existence. Mm-hmm. But there are too many other connections which were followed down the line. Mm-hmm. It's too much of the rest of it. The Big Bang theory, the way it, the way science holds it now, um, really, it really doesn't exist outside of an atheistic perspective. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, you want to argue semantics. Sure. Sure. Is one thing. Yeah. But I think we should be very careful to use that term. Yeah. Yep. It's a good perspective. Any other thoughts? Yes, Tom. I don't see how total chaos could create something. Mm-hmm. That's my only question. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we obviously, we hold to the Bible as the inspired word of God, right? Um, Genesis teaches that God created. God spoke creation into existence. So when we talk about the Big Bang, we obviously know that it wasn't just a random sound or random explosion that happened, and boom, we're here. We trust that God is the creator, And of course, we weren't there. We know that he spoke. He spoke the world. He spoke the heavens into existence. We might not know what it all looked like, um, but we know that God is the author of the laws of nature. And so as he's creating, he's breathing out these laws of nature, forming the universe. So we, we hold as Christians that if by the Big Bang you're saying that there's no divine creator and that it just sprang from nothing, then no, we are not at all allowed to believe that. But if we're talking about there was nothing and now there's something, that God is the one who spoke life and the universe and the world into existence, then we hold to that because that's what Genesis teaches, right? Now, um, in a few weeks, uh, Rob Golding is going to teach a little bit about, you know, how can we take the Bible literally? Um, And Genesis obviously is something that's been up for debate for a long time among Uh, among Christians and atheists, among Christians themselves and things like that. Um, And so he's going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, how we view Genesis. But I do want to say that 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 part of Genesis is primarily about um, us learning about God creating the universe. Um, And it's it's not laced with scientific facts, right? It's not laced with formulas. It's not laced with all those things. It's showing us who created um, and who is responsible for that. It's giving us meaning to the beginning of life. Um, so we take from that that God created, and he created animals. He created trees. He created human beings. It all starts with him. Um, the one thing I do want to, I, I do want to urge you about, so, uh, oops, wrong one. Um, Ray mentioned this a little bit, is we do have Christians that fall in different, uh, different uh, 
parts of the spectrum when it comes to the, let's say, the age of the Earth or something like that. So you have some that would hold to a very young Earth. You have some that would hold to an older Earth. Now, our commission from Christ is not to convert others to our view about how old the Earth is, right? That's not the primary message we're tasked with delivering. While we may engage in those conversations, that's not the primary thing. So if I'm in a conversation with one of my coworkers, and th these kind of conversations are often more of like a, we, we call it like a pre-evangelistic conversation. We're not quite at the point of where we're talking about sin and the cross and the resurrection, but we're talking about God himself. How do we, how do we know that God is there, God is real? My argument is that God created the world, and I am not so concerned with convincing that person of my view of how old the earth is. Now, we can engage in those conversations, and they're often helpful to have, but at the end of the day, that is not the most important message that we can deliver. The most important message that we can deliver is that God is real, that he has created humanity, that humanity has rebelled against him, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live perfectly, to die, and then to rise again so that we might trust in him and so that we might have fellowship with him and be in relationship with him. That's the primary message we're given. So I do, I want to, because sometimes we can get pulled into arguments about some of these things and forget that our primary responsibility is not to convince someone of our viewpoint, it's to lead them to Christ. It's to lead them to the cross. Um, Yes. Any questions about that? Any thoughts? Yes, Tom. So, um, I agree with you that we shouldn't really, you know, it's not an important fact. But as a Christian, do we believe in a young earth or an old earth? Yeah. Yeah. So, not that it, it's a it's a good conversation to have. Christians vary. Christians vary on the spectrum. Um, so even. There's good Christians all, all over the world that some are going, I mean, I went to a school, uh, lots of really good Christians there, uh, very focused, young earth, that, that would be the main teaching. And there's other really good Christian schools where some of the professors would hold to an older, so. Yeah, yeah, I would, I, it's, it's a good conversation to have, but like, it's not the most important thing. Um, yeah, so. Um, any other thoughts, any other questions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a it's a good perspective. Yeah, that I I am very unfamiliar when it comes to carbon dating. Um, but carbon dating, they have other methods. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. But like if God created a rock and He carbon dated it then, or whatever they do, it, it you know it's just gonna have age. Yeah. It's not like uh, it's gonna say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a day old. Right. Yeah. 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 So that that that's a, a one viewpoint that's out there. That's helpful. That's right. 
That's that's right. Hey, -o. I don't even know Josh is back there. All right. Uh, yeah, we're gonna keep it moving. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right, we're gonna keep it moving because we only have 17 minutes. Um, all right. So, this is a puzzle. This is the the second. Week, not the second week in a row. I made a puzzle illustration a few weeks ago too, so I've been in the puzzles. But um, a puzzle is a good illustration for um, how people have viewed the relationship between science and faith, or science and Christianity. Um, so think of it like this. Uh, you know, let's say several thousands of years ago, you had um, the world and, and the truth of the meaning that was in the world, and you would represent it like a puzzle. But there were lots of empty pieces, like this puzzle here, you see? So we started putting together some of the pieces, but there's still lots of things we don't know about. And so what some people would say is that, you know, as we, as we uh, learned more about how this world works, uh, something we call science, we started using science to piece together some of the puzzle. We started understanding, oh, so it's the Earth that revolves around the sun. Um, and we put that puzzle piece in. Um, what some people would say is that before we had a lot of that scientific information, we use things like faith. We use things like religion to piece together the puzzle. So rather than using a scientific explanation, somebody might say, oh, we see the sun moving throughout, uh, you know, in our sky each day. That must mean that there's someone up there that's moving it with their hand. And that's how we're gonna. That's how we're gonna complete the puzzle. We're gonna. We're gonna use, uh, you know, data like that, or not data, but just um, thoughts like that, uh, opinions like that. So the argument goes that as science has developed more and more and more, and as we've learned more about our world through science, we no longer need religion to fill in those gaps. We can just use science to piece together everything. And we see science has gotten us pretty far as humanity, right? We have medicine, we live a lot longer now. There's lots of good things that have come from science. So the question is, science, it's advanced humanity in incredible ways. So do we even need God anymore? What do you think about that? If science has gotten us you know, far along as humanity, we've seen the progress that science has brought to us, do we even need God anymore? What would you say to that? Yes, Heidi? scientific method doesn't exist outside of an assumption that there's a certain level of order mm -hmm. that can be assumed within the universe. Yeah. And Christianity and the Judeo-Christian um, tradition are pretty much the only traditions that allow you to assume that that order exists within the universe. Mm -hmm. that science has followed path of um, Christianity is not by coincidence. Yeah. It's almost of necessity. Yeah. So we would not have, I, wasn't it Einstein, I think, who, who believed that basically science was thinking God's thoughts after him? <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. Um, the argument is a, like a design argument. If we observe order throughout our universe, there must have been someone to put that order together. Um, so we need God because he's the one that kicked it off, that started that. Yes, Laura? I want to be one of the 
perspective anymore of how the world, even with creative, mm -hmm. but but like for purpose, like science yes. can't replace that. And yes. so <laughs> maybe if you just start trying to understand like factual things, you could say you don't need that, but I think anyone who's trying to understand purpose or something yeah. bigger would, would say Right. Yeah. That's really good. Um, yeah. So it has science replaced faith in God. Science gives us facts, right? As Laura was saying, we learn a ton about our world. We learn a ton about ourselves as pe how, how our bodies work. We learn about things like heat and why opening the window helps cool the room down. Um, that's a really helpful thing that we've learned today. Um, it gives us lots and lots of facts. And those are good things, right? We should want to learn more about the world that God has created. But like Laura was saying, faith in God gives us meaning, okay? Science tells us that there is something. There's something out there, but it doesn't tell us why there is something rather than nothing. So science is really good at getting the concrete facts. Here's how this works. Here's how the human eyeball works. Here's how your hair grows, and here's why it doesn't grow, um, and all those things. Um, but it doesn't tell us why why these things. It doesn't give us purpose for these things. Um, it doesn't give us purpose for ourselves as human beings. Um, it is, uh, you know, think about um, us as humans. We most of us are searching for some degree of meaning in our world, right? We like to think that our life has meaning, that we're here for a certain reason. Science itself doesn't give us that. It tells us we're here, but it doesn't tell us why. Does it make sense? Yes, Clint. Uh, I was thinking, just because science says something doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it's true either. Yeah. Because science has been wrong yep. in the past. Yeah. Yeah. They're not always correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. The way the way you experiment, just because just because the name science is attached to something doesn't necessarily make it correct. Science um, is a process where you're coming up with a hypothesis and it's leading to um, something you would expect to observe on a repeatable basis. But if somebody does an experiment and it comes up with different uh, you know, different conclusions every time well, then you haven't proven anything. Um, and there are, we see throughout human history, there are times where we think we are so correct about something and we realize 50 years later, oh wait, we were really wrong about that. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, and the, 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 the point I wanted to come back to um, with this is when we take something like science and we take something like faith and we think about the puzzle uh, of life and of meaning. Certain puzzle pieces are filled in by science, right? We, we learn this, we learn this. But there's oh, if all we ever have is science, there are always going to be empty spots in that puzzle because science just doesn't answer some of those questions for us. It doesn't answer why we're here. It doesn't answer what our destiny is. It doesn't answer things like right and wrong. So think about that. If science has replaced faith, what are the implications for morality? Think about this. If there's no such thing as faith, and if it's just science, there's no God whatsoever, um, all we have are the cold, hard facts, can you think of any implications this might have on morality as human beings or ethics? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, and we see that. This is something, family, something like that is founded in the Bible. So we know that God God knows best when it comes to how we are to live our lives. So that's where we get that. Any other implications, Jonathan? Um, science doesn't speak to right and wrong. Like it, it might speak to uh, it's beneficial for you like to be in a community because in a community like helps protect you or feed you. But ultimately, like you have like selfish motivations for things. Like it's mm-hmm. all about yeah. Um, they can't speak to moral things like you know, love your neighbor or yeah. you know, do good things that harm you. Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth? It's materialistic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's dealing with things we can observe, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, why something might be wrong is not necessarily, we can, we can observe the results of it, um, but we may not be able to observe the reason behind it. Um, the author of this book, Uh, This is a little bit of a lengthy quote, but I think it's really helpful for us to understand. So she says, science can tell us how things are. It it can explain why, for instance, a man might have the drive to commit a sexual assault as an effective means of propagating his genes. But it cannot tell us why he would be wrong to succumb to that drive. To be sure, we can conduct sociological calculations to see what behaviors turn out better for the group and decide that sexual assault yields a net negative in the overall happiness of the tribe. But to call rape wrong... We need a narrative about human identity that goes beyond what science or sociology can tell us. So the point here is that we can observe that something um, is not uh, beneficial for the group of people, right? So she takes something like sexual assault, and she says this is something that we all can say is bad for society. Um, However, science doesn't tell us why something like that is morally wrong. We know that's, that something like sexual, sexual assault is disgusting. We want nothing to do with it. It is morally uh, reprehensible. But science doesn't give us uh, an answer as to why it is. We have to look at the scriptures to see that as human beings, we're made in the image of God. And God values all of us equally. We are to be treasured as precious human beings uh, with souls. And sexual assault um, takes a human being and removes their worth and says they're not worth, they're, they're no longer worth as much um, as, a, as a human being should be. And that's why it's wrong. Um, so does that, does, that, does that make sense how science, it doesn't give us the why behind something is wrong. Um, and I think that the point here is not, uh, it, I don't want you to hear that because science can't tell us why we should throw out science. Um, the point is not uh, science is kind of a useless pursuit because it doesn't give us the answer to some of these things. Science is helpful. It hel- helps us learn a lot about the world God has created. And as we learn more about the world God has created, we learn to love him more and more. Science is a good thing. But science in and of itself, by itself, removed from any belief in God, 
it doesn't answer all of life's questions, and at the end of the day, is um, incomplete. It doesn't give us all the answers. So faith, um, faith in, in some ways is, you know, we, we, we understand that um, faith is superior in that if we don't trust in Christ for salvation, um, we are separated from God, right? We can do all the science we want, but if we don't trust in Christ and Christ alone, um, we're separated from God in our sin. So faith is superior in that it leads us to God himself. But science tells us lots of good things about our God. We can learn much about him and the way he has made the world work um, as we study it. So what if science has disproved Christianity? What if there was no such thing as faith, Christianity whatsoever? And this is to kind of um, uh, support what we've been talking about here. But Richard Dawkins says, The universe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Should be blind, not blind. That's not a word. Um, so he's saying if science is all there is, we're left with cold, pitiless indifference. Now, um, we know as human beings that we're longing, there's, there's something in us longing for meaning, something in us longing for community. <coughs> And science in and of itself, apart from anything bigger than us, is going to give us the cold, hard facts. It's going to show us how things work, but it's not going to give us meaning. And us, like we as followers of Jesus, we believe in, in meaning, right? We believe that God is real. We believe that he's put us on this earth for a reason. We believe that our lives are meant to glorify him. Um, we have that meaning attached uh, you know, to, to that. But without science, then, or I'm sorry, without faith, we're left to come up with whatever meaning we want to, right? Which is not real meaning. It's constructed meaning. Um, and that's what we're left with. And so as we have conversations, and when somebody starts to push us on science being superior to Christianity, I, want, I, 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 I don't want you to leave here thinking that I'm saying science is useless, all right? That is not at all the point of this lesson. Science is very helpful for what it's meant to do. Um, but it stops short of offering us answers for why we're here and what life is all about. And we look to the scriptures, we look to Christ to offer that meaning um, as, we, as we go. Does that, does that make sense? Do you get any questions about this? Well, your first point that you dug into was that an irresponsible <coughs> understanding of science becomes a wall to people believing what we actually know yeah. 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 There's sometimes when we um, when we speak really irresponsibly, um, we kind of throw science to the wind. Um, it's usually not a good look uh, because science is not like science is not the bad guy, right? Um, a uh, a wrong prioritization of science um, and faith that's wrong. But science in and of itself is not the enemy. It's a tool that God has used to teach us more about himself. Um, but it doesn't answer all the questions. And it goes back to that, that puzzle. There, there's pieces of the puzzles that we fill in, um, but science doesn't have every piece for that puzzle. Our faith in God has probably the most important pieces of that puzzle, right? They show us who we are, who God is, and how we know him. Um, and that's, that is what is most important. It's 944, which means we are 
on time to end. If you guys have any questions, there's a lot in there, and this is just scratching the absolute surface of the issue. So I would love to talk to you. Um, there's also some other resources I'd be happy to shoot, shoot to you if you're interested in learning more. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to head to our Sunday gathering. God, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for something like science um, that helps us see you more clearly. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to engage responsibly in conversations about science and faith, that you would um, help us to listen and learn, help us to admit that we don't know absolutely everything, um, but that we do know you and we know um, who you are, who we are, um, and that Christ has come to, to save us through his death and resurrection. Um, so, Lord, I pray that we would celebrate that truth in a few minutes um, as we talk, as we sing, as we hear the word preached. I pray that you would um, stir our affections for you, and I pray that you would root our faith even more deeply in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.